The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co. established 1977 have personal and domestic water filters which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting alkaline ionized mineral water which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals and bacteria so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Tom, thanks for joining us once again. How are you, brother? Really good, Pete. Good to be here. How are you? Mate, really good. I'm uh, I'm growing my beard a little bit like yourself. <laughs> so yeah. could be something up here in the up in the here in the hills or the hinterland that uh, makes the beard want to grow. Or maybe it's not so much the beard no. wants to grow, but uh, maybe I don't look in the mirror as much as I used to. <laughs> yeah, well, I spent I spent eight months doing that. Benefits of living in a tent and living uh, you know away from society. You know, it's one of the best things was actually not having a mirror. Because you just don't notice how many times you actually notice yourself on a daily basis. And then when you're not around that, it's where you really notice that there's a lack of self, uh, you know, everything, self-judgment or just self-recognition. And so all of your energy is on what's outside of you, which is, you know, obviously where it's meant to be. <sighs> we, are, we are mirrors for other people and uh, other people are mirrors for us too and i see that you're you've taken a big step to reflect back a lot of a lot of light into into the world um take us through the um what's happened since we last spoke because you have decided to enter the public sphere in a in a in an interesting space. I think since we spoke, I, I was entering the space back then and then I decided to to detour out of that space and uh, um, I'm glad yeah. that, I'm glad that uh, someone like you is is continuing the path. So 
take us through the uh, the journey for you and why you're doing what you're doing. Sure. Well, when the first time I met you, you know, when we were speaking about politics at that stage, and you were looking at running at that time, and from then, you know, uh, at that stage, there was already talk of me running some mayor for Byron Shire, just within the community, knowing that something needs to be done on that level. And then that kind of fell away for quite a while. It was only until relatively recently when we saw that there wasn't enough leadership being exhibited here and that there were also some, uh, you know, some people that were running for politics that definitely should not be running to politics here. So, you know, really towards the prospect of this election, the community just said again, like, we've got to put somebody in and they asked if I'd do it. And so I said I would. It's not really a goal of mine to get into politics. This is the second time I've done it. And it's really just been because people really wanted somebody to do it. And it was something that I did out of service. So running for mayor of Byron Shire was to represent the community, to make sure that there was a voice there to at least do something to counteract the mainstream narrative and to provide some empowerment, uh, some, uh, I wouldn't say hope because I don't think people here are lacking in hope, but just a voice of reason, you know? And so I was willing to do that. And then the electoral commission did a dodgy <laughs> and took me off the ballot. So uh, you can't vote for me this time around, but yeah, more or less, I'm pretty certain that I'll run for the next one. So what's your experience in that? Uh, saying that they did a dodgy one. I mean, I, I've been focusing a lot of attention over the last year and a half to two years, or actually even longer on what's happening in America. And obviously um, election integrity seems to be a, a, a hugely polarizing and interesting topic in the United States. And it got me thinking about how is the electoral process through different parts of the world, especially the Western world. And we're, we're witnessing right now in Myanmar, basically the military, uh, conducted a coup over there uh, and pretty much locked up the government based off their presumption or, or evidence that their election was corrupt. So what are your thoughts on this? Do you think there are <laughs> undodgy elections? Do you think that we have transparency or would it just be speculation at this stage? Or do you know have, have have do you have any insider information on this whole process in the Western world? Mm, no, I, I, in the Western world, I'm not sure that there's any such thing as a legit election. I think on the local level for mayoral elections, I think they'd be fairer, but there's still corruption there. I'm not not really aware of any that are uh, uncorrupt, based based mainly on the process that's used. Because uh, it's known to be um, it's known to be a corruptible at least system, and that's one of the reasons why it is used. So then, even if we look at the last federal election, which I did run in for the uh, IMOP, we had scrutineers at the uh, at the ballot places at scrutineering, and they saw some of our votes just being chucked. They actually saw it with their own eyes. They recorded. They documented it. Some of it was legitimate which has to be acknowledged because if somebody does anything wrong on the ballot form, it 
it just means that they can't count that vote. But then there were others that were actually just kind of thrown out. They saw them pulling out three at a time or four at a time and then not counting the ones underneath and putting those aside. So there's definitely some, you could call it foul play. You could also just put it down as human error. If you're pulling out a lot of ballots and that, you might pick up a few and, you know, there's some human error there as well. But when you see uh, elections where 104% of the population voted, <laughs> you know, as happened in the last one in America, you just kind of, you've, you've got to look at that with a bit of a, a grain of salt and ask a few questions. And someone like you, I mean, we, we've spoken about being in the flow before. And one of the things that, hmm, I did a couple of trips down to Canberra and met with Craig Kelly. Um, sat with Rod Cullerton. These are no strangers strangers to the political system. Um, And one of the common threads that I heard, not from those, but from people out on the street was, if a system is so corrupt, how do you enter a corrupt system and make a difference? I mean, and, and it brings me back to, the history of Australian um, politics. And we had somebody like Peter Garrett, for instance, who um, was the lead singer of Midnight Oil and founder of Midnight Oil, um, who, you, who you would have thought had such lofty uh, ambitions to be able to shake up that system. Yet what my perception of that was and many others was that he was... Um, not given the opportunity to do what he intended to do in that. And, and that it could be just my ignorance of, of what he managed to do. But I guess the question is, if you, if you were elected, Tom, and when that does happen, how do you make a difference in, in, in a system that seems to be completely corrupt and, and against the people? Yeah, the only way that I can see that happening is through empowering the people. And it's literally just the opposite of what a lot of politicians do. They toe a line, they, uh, they bend to the status quo. Like Peter Garrett's a great example. I don't think it's any ignorance there, Pete. I mean, I think I would have said the exact same things as you just said. And he got into it, I think, with great intentions, but soon realized that there's only so much you can do within politics and there's only so much you can say as well before you, you let go. I mean, take a medical doctor, for example, currently, they said anything outside of anything that the medical board allows them to say, well, then they are deregistered and they're ostracized and it's no different in politics. So for me, what I was willing to do because, and I'm still willing to do because I don't have political aspirations is that I don't care about holding the job. I don't care about who I, uh, whose feathers I ruffle in the process. And I would use it simply as a platform, an uncensored platform, to be able to give a message out that currently people like myself and you and plenty of others are already doing, but in a public space where people are more receptive to the information. And so it's not to try to scare people or give the exact same narrative that I would give on my own platform, for example, but it's simply to show really that government is not necessary, especially a state government. Realistically, there shouldn't be any decisions being made outside of the Byron Shire. So what do the people here 
want to do? Like, what do the people here want in general? Because it's definitely not the same as the average statewide. That's why people come to a place like this. It's such a powerful region. Now, there is so much that uh, more than just the physical beauty here, it's actually the power of the place itself. It draws people from other cities, well, from cities in the first place and from other parts of the country because they want a different life here. So it doesn't make much sense that we would just tow a state line in a place that is absolutely not of the state average when it comes to thinking, when it comes to economies, when it comes to the ecology here, it's all different. And so it doesn't make any sense that we would tow the line of what the state government, which whether it's legitimate or not, is kind of irrespective to this conversation. And so that would mean as mayor of this particular shire, it would mean giving more power back to each constituent. That's the empowerment. Uh, what would you call it? Just the empowerment piece. It's just allowing people to say, look, if we've got a different and better way to do things, you don't need the permission of the state, federal or local government. If you can make the place better ecologically, economically, uh, with more inclusion and less segregation, then why would you let a government get in the way of doing that? So my whole thing was a lot of the time, government gets in the way of solutions being put forward. There's many things that need solutions in society everywhere, including in the Byron Shire, but there are many solutions. And quite often it's the status quo, it's the council, it's the state government that gets in the way of solutions actually being put forward. And that's what I could do. I really feel that it's just simply a matter of handing the empowerment back to each individual to do things that they already know how to do and getting out of the way. We seem to be seeing that around the world and I'll jump back into the United States again, where we seem to have sheriffs and, and different communities creating sovereign towns or sovereign communities by standing up, as you're mentioning, against the, the state, so to speak. California is a, a wonderful example of this. I mean, it's a democratic run state. Um, with some of the strictest laws, or maybe I shouldn't use the word laws, <laughs> strictest mandates or, or um, guidance, if, if that's the better terminology. Um, yet we're seeing more and more people and more and more communities basically saying, no, 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 we, we don't want to go along with that because the majority of us have formed a consensus that that's not for us anymore. And I'm just wondering, do you see this manifesting here in this country? How long will it take for, for what you're talking about to, to come true? Does it need to go through the legal traditional channels or is it happening independent anyway? Is, is, is life finding a way, is love finding a way, is, is, it, is it just manifesting anyway in I don't want to say in opposition, but in the flow, so to speak, regardless. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think potentially it's just happening anyway. I think the difference between places like America and here is that we're so relatively young here. We haven't gone through revolutions like other places in the world have. I think we're yet to have that here. And until that point, it's almost like kids kind of, you know, just figuring things out as opposed to 
what you could say is a rite of passage of having gone through some kind of revolution and something that's there behind to actually drive that uh, that change and that that willingness to uh, stand on your own two feet, so to speak. So here, though, I think that just naturally the earth is going through its own shifts and those that are, are in line and, and in the flow, as you say, are, are really gravitating towards that anyway. And so it, I don't think it's too far away. The What's it getting in the way, though, is the influence that the mainstream narrative has, and that's through the media, through print, through television, through radio. It's through the advertisements and the way that on social media and the way that social media is censored. It's in the way that politicians uh, don't really give much credence to alternative thinking. And uh, even the, the elements of media that are meant to be independent, such as in Byron, we have the Byron Shire Echo, which goes throughout the whole Byron Shire. And that's nothing like what it began, uh, nothing like its roots. You know, it's, it's very obviously corrupted and uh, has a very strong agenda to it. So then for the average, I, I don't mean average mind as in less than, I just mean the average as in what, does the, what is the average thought process, and then it's very difficult for that average mind to really want to step beyond what it feels comfortable within because even within something that's not great, a human being naturally falls into a comfort zone within it. And, oh, yeah, it could be better, but no, it's all right as it is. He doesn't really know or is willing to actually step beyond that. And I really feel that it takes a willingness to step beyond what we have to create something that is better. And that takes work. It takes some effort. But that's always got its reward. So uh, realistically, though, I honestly think it's going that way anyway. I could feel such a shift and a momentum and an undercurrent uh, in not only this region, but everywhere that is really, uh, you know, making that happen anyway. I just think it's going to happen. Yeah, we've witnessed that over the, over the course of the last 18, 20 months that, um, you know, when the rally started and the freedom um, marches started, it was, um, it was quite small. Uh, and then there seemed to be a, a huge push to demonize that and, and bring in the, the strong arm of, of the law and, <clears throat> and, um, and put a stop to that as, as violently and as aggressively as possible. My question to you now is, especially over the last two or three weeks, we've witnessed that the marches and rallies have um, taken off in ways that are quite beautiful to see so many people standing up in Victoria and uh, New South Wales and Queensland and different parts of the country. Why is this allowed to happen, in your opinion? Because, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'll just leave it at that. Why do you think that so many people now uh, are allowed to stand up and voice their opinion? Because if they wanted to, I'm sure they could stop that as well. Well, yeah, that's a big question. And I don't really know the answer. I can give a few theories, but bearing in mind that they are just theories. One is that, um, one is that there's a shift that is already happening that's part of simply the earth itself. And we're just you know, an extension of that that can't be stopped. And so the powers that be, 
if they they have to know a certain degree of that as well. Irrespective of that, even if that's that's not true, once we get to a you know the hundredth monkey, or you just call it like a critical mass, once there's too many people, then irrespective of whether it's a natural extension of earthly shifts, it doesn't matter. There's too many people. We have always been the majority and the power. We have always been the authority that had, that stands above government. The government's there to serve us, not, not the other way around, but people have been tricked into thinking that it's the other way and have played their part in that particular narrative. But then when it, the government pushes things too far and starts to affect people's livelihood, affect their mood, affect their quality of life, well, then the people will, at some point, you can only push them so far, they will revolt. And that has been the beginning of many revolutions past. It's just people have gone past their breaking point. And you get that one moment where there's just that one extra individual that, that speaks out or turns up at a march, and then that's the hundredth monkey, and then it's, it's flipped. And now it's a demonstration that the people do have the power and for them to then reel that back in, what I feel it would do is it would work against them because they would have to be very heavy handed with that. And that would not look good. There's a certain time and place to, well, the old expression is to pick your battles. And I feel that they know that this is a losing battle from their side of the fence. And it would, it would actually work against them to try to bring that down. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't. They may get very crafty in the way that they can restrict movement again or uh, put fear back into the hearts and minds of the population. And then the population can self-regulate. There's many different ways that they can do that. But to answer your question, I just feel that they, they really pushed it too far. Perhaps they've still got more up their sleeve, but at least with what they've done, they've encroached on so many basic human and civil rights that I mean, if you go to a courtroom and watch any case that's been put before it with regards to running a business in a lockdown or not wearing a mask or not doing something, they're all getting thrown under the table. And the reason for that is because they're pushing so far beyond the bounds of what is right and wrong that it's, there's, a, there's a definite natural reaction to that, a natural law that comes into play. So whether they become even more tyrannical about what they're doing i'm not really sure but i think each time that they've pulled a stunt it's it's awoken something in more people you know like you like you said the numbers in some of these rallies around the country and across the earth have increased exponentially every time they try to pull a new stunt so it's almost like it's working against them and as far as them letting it happen i just don't think they have a choice at this stage mm, yeah great perspective yeah because it's 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 so interesting watching it all play out, you know, watching the movement build momentum. You know, it's like, well, it's you know, it's it's exciting, and at the same time, I mean, my perception, you know, it could be again a little ignorant or naive, but I always believe everything's in perfect balance, even when it feels out of balance. And the more someone pushes their agenda, the equally we're going to have more people awakening, if you want to use that expression. Um, so again, perfectly in balance. So it, it's, I love observing. I love being a part of this. And what have you learned about yourself over the last two years in relation to 
what some would call chaos or a very interesting time in human history. Have, has it been difficult for you or have you been training for this all your life and you, yeah, you're like, yeah, I'm ready. Tell, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, well, look, honestly, and I, I sometimes feel bad saying it because I know that a lot of people have had a really hard time, but for me, it's been the best two years of my life, the last couple of years. I do feel like I've been ready for this my whole life because my life, personally speaking, has made more sense in the last couple of years than it had up until now. I think I always, for me, I could always see that there was something really not right about society, that there was so much of a distraction to what we're really meant to be doing. And for me to actually fit into society, this is just me personally, but for me to fit into society, it took something like what we've witnessed for me to really drop into place. Because before that, I mean, I was doing just fine as a holistic health practitioner. I was doing just fine as a photographer and videographer. Uh, really enjoyed that, actually. But all of the time I was sitting on the sidelines in my own, um, my own admission, I was really doing, like you, observing. I love to observe. But I was doing a lot of observing rather than a lot of participating. And I just never really felt like there was a need for me to participate. Things were too just kind of, yeah, too even in their flow and, and, but not in a way that I thought was actually relevant to what we're doing here. So I was documenting things. I was making satirical content. I was, uh, yeah, I was talking to people about their health uh, issues and physical problems and mental, emotional, spiritual uh, imbalances. And that was a definite purpose. But as far as me and having a voice, I've really come into that in the last couple of years. And to be able to do that, I felt like I had to go through 39 years of uh, being a black sheep and, and being ostracized and being ignored and criticized and, um, and uh, ridiculed and all those things to be able to get to the ability to handle a shift like we've experienced in the last few years. Yeah, I noticed over the last couple of months since you put your, your hat on to run for politics that um, uh, the media has done its best to uh, paint, uh, paint you in a certain light. And, um, and I've read some of those articles and it's like, oh, Tom's arrived. <laughs> They're coming for you <laughs> in, in, in their uh, very obvious um, sensational ways. And I just had them two days ago. I was in Sydney and I had the paparazzi still there taking photos of me as I'm surfing and um, writing just pointless stories. What's your reaction to that? Can you, can you see the the stupidity in it and, and the the humour in it? I should say. Um, yeah, take me through that for for you because I the reason I'm asking you because I've never really asked anybody this because everybody asks me how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? I'm like it's just a game for me and and once you see the game you can see how it's played and all the, all the pieces on the board and how they move, you know, once you see it, then you understand it. So it can't affect you. So tell me about your experience with this being in the spotlight, so to speak, and you were in the spotlight at the start of the pandemic with your viral video that went around the world. 
Yeah, I'm I'm the same as you. I honestly look, I I don't even see what the media does to be honest. I just get sent things occasionally and most of the time I still don't look at it. But recently I did and I was pleasantly surprised because when you actually just look at it for what it is, like you would like to do, I like to observe and I like to look at what's really going on. They're actually the way I can see it promoting me. Because if you if you take out all the, you know, the slang and the, the this idiot says this. They say this idiot says, and then they say what I say. So they always give the three or four main points out of anything that I've ever done or said. They go the raw chicken eating, bearded, anti-vaxxing, uh, whatever, surfer from Byron says that or ate raw chicken to prove that you can't be harmed from it. And I'm like, it kind of doesn't matter about the slang that you're trying to say about me. You're actually printing the point of what I was proving and have stated that I proved it. They may as well have said, Tom made this video to prove that germ theory is a fallacy and you won't get sick from eating healthy foods. They actually say that. Further to that, they print my website and I'm like, thank you, more promotion for my own site. Because even if only a few minds go, well, I wonder what this guy's on about, they're going to go to my website. It's almost like they are at a point in time where they've pushed things so far, they're trying to give a bit of truth, but they still have to put a layer of the media on top of it. So they're basically giving all of my main points that you should question the ability to catch a virus, that perhaps we should be uh, tapping into the power that we really have, the power of intention. I mean, they printed that. I printed something in one of my posts that said, if you can't vote for me, because you don't live in the Shire, you can vote for me in spirit. Like, where is your intention? What do you want to see change in the world? And they printed that. They printed, don't underestimate the value of intention. I'm like, are you guys trying to, you know, tell the truth here? Because you're doing a really good job of it. Further to that, when you see what they do, like with yourself, they're taking photos, they're pap snapping you while you're surfing. You are living your life out there surfing, having a good time, regardless of what other people are doing. That's empowering. Can you imagine what it would be like for your livelihood to be made? I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.